Our scripture reading this morning is from Gospel of Luke, and it's chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. So a man named Simeon was in Jerusalem, and he was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon, he took Jesus in his arms and he praised God. And he said, now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared the salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for the people Israel. Jesus' father and mother were amazed by what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This boy is a sign to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that generates opposition so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your innermost being, too. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Today is the the third Sunday in Advent. And it's the third Sunday, then, in our Advent series, Light of the World. Advent is a time of active waiting a time in which we look back to the birth of the Christ child and we look forward to the coming of Christ in the future. This year, during Advent, we're working through the book Light of the World by Amy Jo Levine, and there are several groups within our church who have been studying this book. And on Sundays, I am highlighting something that I thought was interesting in that week's reading. Amy Jo Levine is an internationally renowned scholar and teacher and author, and she's also a Jewish woman who has a great passion for exploring the stories of Jesus and the early church. She knows the importance of understanding the Jewish context of scripture and how when we do that, it enriches our overall understanding and it brings those stories of scripture new life. And it reminds us that God can show us something new every time that we encounter scripture if we simply open ourselves to the Spirit's movement. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. Enable us to be receptive this morning to your message and challenge us to live more fully for you than we ever have before. Through the power of your Spirit, we pray. Amen. Five years ago today, my grandmother passed away. I remember that day very vividly. It was morning. I was drinking my coffee and folding piles and piles of laundry because Joseph was five and Corey was just nine months old. 
And my dad called, which was kind of strange because my dad doesn't call me very often. And when I answered, he said, it's your grandmother. She's in the hospital. And I remember the chill that ran through my body because I knew she wasn't feeling well, but because she had missed Joseph's birthday party the week before. But in all of the years that I had known my grandma, she had never gone to the hospital, and she barely talked about visiting a doctor. My dad said she called her neighbor John, and he broke into the house, and he found her laying on the floor, and they called the hospital. They rushed her to Cleveland, and we're here with her now. She has sepsis, an infection in her blood, and they don't know how bad it is. Thankfully, that morning, Russ was home, and he was able to stay with the kids, and so I raced up to Cleveland to meet my parents in the emergency room. When we were able to go in and to see my grandma, I barely recognized her. Her coloring was a, a pale yellow, and, and she was puffed up with fluid. We sat in a little room off her emergency room, waiting to talk with a doctor there. And I remember there was just a little bench on either side, and it was very hard, and it was cold. And we sat there, and I looked at my parents, and I wondered in that moment, am I supposed to be pastor or, or granddaughter? What was I supposed to say to them? Should I, should I share with them my experiences in these types of situations? What do I do? And they moved my grandma up to a room in the hospital, and, and as they did that, my dad went to pick up my aunt from the airport. And my mom and I were left in the waiting room on that level um, of the hospital, waiting to get the okay. Waiting for, for some type of news, that she was in her room, that we could go see her, just something. But when the doctor came in, he asked us to go into one of those little private rooms on the side. And that's when I realized just how bad grandma was. The doctor told us that they were struggling to keep her heart going, that they had revived her several times already and they weren't sure how much more her heart could take. And they needed permission to let her go. As we walked to my grandma's room that day to say goodbye, there was a definite ring in my ears and I remember feeling like I wasn't the one walking, like there was another force that was pushing me to her room. And I, I was warm, like I was wrapped up in a blanket, and someone was holding me and pushing me, walking with me and keeping me upright. This morning's story from Scripture it occurs after Jesus' birth. Mary and Joseph, they went to the temple to present Jesus, their child, to God. And that was customary to do with the Jewish tradition, to present the firstborn child who was about a month old to God. And while they were there, they encountered this old man, Simeon, who was described as righteous and devout, and a few weeks ago, we learned of another man who was described as righteous, Zechariah, 
John the Baptist's father. The story of Simeon is an important one that we often overlook because Jesus has already been born. So the story is somewhat finished, we think. But actually, we know that that's just the beginning. And that's what Simeon reminds us here. Simeon is at the temple, and we're told that he is eagerly anticipating the restoration of Israel. A translation that is a little bit closer to the intent of the original Greek is that Simeon was looking forward to the consolation of Israel. As Amy Jo Levine points out, Simeon in, in this moment isn't seeking a salvation for Israel. He wants comfort and consolation. He knows of war and he wants peace. He's known of Roman rule and Herodian rule and he wants a divine rule. It's a subtle shift in the language, but it's an important shift. The Holy Spirit we see revealed to Simeon that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so led by the Spirit, Simeon goes into the temple area and there he meets Jesus and Jesus' parents. Simeon took Jesus into his arms and he praised God. We can imagine this elderly man with this white beard and, and eyes that couldn't really see as well anymore and these wrinkled hands cradling this new life. And Simeon thinks to himself, yes, this child is what I have been waiting for. This child and his parents give Simeon hope and comfort to know that when he dies, people will continue. His people will continue. We don't know here if Simeon has a wife and children of his own, but we do know that now this child that he's holding, this child of Jesus, is now his child, the one who will answer his prayers. So holding baby Jesus, Simeon speaks directly to God and he says, Now, Master, let your servant, your slave, go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon's life is done now. He's happy. And he stayed watch and now he's relieved to let go. He was seeking consolation and comfort and he got that but more. He found salvation in Jesus. The salvation that he finds is, is good news not just for Simeon or even just for Israel, because Simeon goes on here to say, you prepared this salvation in the presence of all people. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles. All people, Jews, Gentiles, and pagans alike, who were seeking peace and consolation, who needed the good news, they found it here. Simeon literally cradled that good news in his arms. And then he proclaims, and he is a glory for your people, Israel. And he's speaking here directly to the Jewish people, including Mary and Joseph, Zachariah and Elizabeth, all of the characters that we have seen thus far, reassuring them that although they are this small group whose homeland is on the outskirts of their empire and whose land has come into Roman rule, 
the promises that were made to Abraham long ago will be fulfilled. This child that Simeon holds is good news for everyone. And then the scripture says that in hearing this, Joseph and Mary, these, these very human parents, are amazed by what he says. We learned last week about Mary's angelic annunciation. The angel came to her and told her exactly what she would do, what would happen, and she agreed. She believed that it would happen, and she said yes to it. And then since then, the shepherds have come and shared with the parents, with Mary and Joseph, that they saw an angel. An angel came to them and said, this child is has been born, this Savior has been born, the city of David. He is Christ our Lord. That was the baby, and they they knew this, but here they are remaining in awe. Now, I think part of that is because, well, they're simply human, and they were caring for a newborn baby, and so they were taking care of all the newborn baby things, and they were focused on the day-to-day, and they forgot maybe the bigger reality of Jesus. And just like Mary and Joseph, we often need reminded of the bigger reality of the good news because we get consumed with our own day to day and we lose sight of of the promise of joy for all people and the blessing that on earth peace among those whom he favors. So here Simeon reminds us of just how magnificent that good news is. I don't remember leaving the hospital after my grandma had passed. I do remember stopping to eat at a Brown Derby restaurant for dinner, sitting with my parents and my aunt, and we alternated between silence and laughter from pure disbelief of the past 15 hours, the absurdity that was that day. And the few days following, we were consumed with making arrangements for the funeral and and sharing memories with one another and family arriving from all over the country. And I remember feeling a tinge of guilt that week because I was happy in the midst of this tragic event because it brought everyone together. And we kept saying over and over again, well, Grandma got her wish. She got everybody together for Christmas. My family asked if I would do the service. Something simple at the graveside, nothing fancy, just like Grandma. As we drove to the cemetery, I still had no idea what I was going to say. How could I speak about my Grandma? How could I be a pastor to the family who raised me? I remember the cemetery, the frozen ground, and shivering while we stood there. But I don't remember what I said that day. I do remember looking at the faces of my aunts, my mom, and my uncle, and all my uncles and and aunts and cousins, all the family that gathered there, them looking to me earnestly for peace and for comfort. And somehow, I remember that God gave me the strength 
and gave me the words and, and the presence that they needed that day. We now are living in this time of this now, but not yet. We know the good news of Jesus, a message of hope and peace and joy, but we forget it in the day-to-day -day because we're waiting for it to be fully realized. When we go into the world, we don't readily see it, do we? We live with struggle and pain and despair. And sometimes, especially at this time of year, we need comfort and we need consolation because it's not the most wonderful time of year for some. As we miss our loved ones, as we miss the way things once were. In this story of Simeon, we are reminded that in the Christ child, God came down. Emmanuel, God with us. We say that so often that I think we forget the gravity of it. That we can look to that little baby. We can look to Christ and we can find comfort and consolation. And in that comfort and consolation, we can find joy. Joy as a glimmer knowing that we are not alone. That in those difficult moments that we experience, that we will be held up and we will be carried. We will be pushed forward to where we need to go. A joy knowing that God will wrap us in God's arms like a warm blanket, assuring us, comforting us, and loving us unconditionally. In the Gospel of John, Jesus tells his disciples, the companion, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of everything I told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I give to you not as the world gives. Do not be troubled or afraid. The Holy Spirit is a gift from Jesus, here and now, comforting us, sustaining us, giving a peace that we can't even imagine, so that we can go and we can love and we can be those Jesus followers on the outside, not just in the label, as Jenny was talking about. In this season of now but not yet, I pray that no matter your circumstances, that you may be witness to God's hope and peace and joy that is found in the Christ child today. Amen. Let's pray. Beloved God, Father, Spirit, and Son, we thank you for being with us, for being with us in the midst of everything that we encounter, in the midst of loss, in the midst of struggle and despair, in the midst of addiction and turmoil, in the midst of depression and anxiety, in the midst of family and expectations placed on us. Lord, you are with us. Let us be like Simeon, seeing you and 
recognizing that peace, recognizing that joy that is right next to us. Let us look around and see you in those glimmers of joy and hope and peace, in the glimmers of people around us. We pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.